Hey everyone, welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and bring a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful and sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. Today, we're exploring how culture conditions and informs our identities with a woman who stands in a pivotal intersection of many cultures. Before we go any further, I want to clarify that culture isn't just a synonym for race and ethnicity. Although your cultural background can be heavily informed by these, culture is any social group that has a shared phenomena of behavior and customs. There's corporate culture, pop culture, sports, church, geographic, underground scene cultures, and each has its own norm by which you recognize members and outsiders. So as a quick exercise, I want you to pick one dimension of your culture that comes to mind and then answer these questions. Is it individualistic or community focused? Are emotions expressed openly or hidden and suppressed? Is it masculine or feminine? Do people gain status by their achievements or for their place in society? For example, elders taking precedence over youth. Is there a physical appearance, style, or attitude? These unique facets construct your cultural signature. Because imagine another culture with directly opposing values from yours. If you were both presented in identical crisis, you'd take markedly different approaches to problem solving from how you internally interact to what potential solutions arise and really who's right or wrong. See, culture can lead to cohesion and harmony within a team or at least the illusion of it, but it can also create groupthink where beliefs and standards are so unquestioned that conformity is actually a deterioration of mental efficiency, reality testing, and moral judgment, as described by Irving Janis. So how can culture be an asset to the well-being of its members? And if its influence is too dominant, could it actually prohibit you from your greatest growth? What about those who are born into a culture with which they don't naturally fit? As we dive in today, keep these two things in mind. First, we often don't realize that the stuff we claim as objective or absolute truth is really just a hot take from our cultural lens. And second, culture is co-created by us, meaning it is dynamic and can evolve. You, me, we can change culture. In fact, we already are. So that's why I want to chat with our guest who's dedicated her life to creating, honoring, and cultivating culture that leads to people and the planet thriving. Jackie Lopez, aka Miss Funk, is a major inspiration to me. She is co-founder, co-artistic director, and choreographer of Versa Style Dance Company, a nonprofit dance ensemble that consists of young, committed, and conscientious hip-hop artists representing the diversity and beautiful complexity of LA. As a reaction to the widespread media misrepresentation of hip-hop dance forms, Versa Style specifically aims to perform for the youth of LA to instill the roots, history, and social and political issues surrounding the art of our generation. Thank God. Jackie is the first in her family to graduate high school, and to boot, she graduated summa cum laude laude shade from UCLA. Jackie, thank you for making time on your busy, busy schedule. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Your, your bio could go on for 
hours. I know. I have different versions. <laughs> and you were just telling me you now you wrote and performed a one woman show yes, for your birthday. For my big 40th. Can you tell us a mini history of young Jackie and uh, what life was like, what led you to the arts, um, where your cultural signature um, came into play with all of that? Yeah. So my parents are were born and raised in El Salvador, Central mm. America to be specific. Mm. And they had to cross the border to then, you know, hopefully experience that life that they dreamed in the United States. Mm. So I always say I was made in El Salvador, but I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. And I'm a first generation in every aspect. It's a beautiful story, but the struggles that were, you know, yeah. connected to it is what made me who I am today. Where did you fall in love with hip hop? Um, I have a vivid memory. I was born and raised in Echo Park back mm. then. Echo Park is not what it is today. Mm. I trip out every time I go where it's like vegan restaurants. <laughs> back then, no way. <laughs> gangs, yeah. you know, a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs. I was surrounded that all my life. But mm. I'll never forget when I started hearing hip hop music down the street of where I live on Kensington Road in Bellevue by Echo Park. And some of the homies were playing some of the music. And I'm like, wait, I really love what that sounds like. Yeah. And it was just a movement that was so internal and so authentic to my experience at the time. Yeah. Definitely like around nine years old, nine or ten. Wow. Where I was like, ooh, I really love this. You what have is artists that song? In your family or you're the only artist? Definitely my dad was an artist in his own way. He played the guitar and he loved to sing, but mm. very specific to Latino Mexican okay. music. Mm -hmm. I'm the first with of course the exposure to, you know, American pop. Right. hip-hop music you are the first latina woman to what at ucla so i'm definitely the first uh latina woman teaching hip-hop dance in the department dance department at ucla and i'm still the only latina <laughs> which boggles my sure. mind to be honest i mean for me too imagine back then i got accepted in 2002 and it was called the world arts and cultures dance department <laughs> so i was ready to have this cultural like big experience of all dances and all people coming together and it was not that and that's, I think, it was my first experience in really getting a sense of how the world is working. When I went to UCLA at the time, it was two Latinas and one black girl. And the rest. And the rest were white. There you go. <laughs> Has the program shifted at all? Big time. And I would say I've contributed to that. Of course. I mean, it's an all too familiar pattern in history, right? We see an art form that was born from the experiences of urban working class, African-Americans, people of color, and marginalized populations then become dominated, disseminated, and appropriated by those who are foreign to its origin, only to then have original creators trying to get an equal foothold to represent and teach that which they owned and lived in the first place. Yet, hip-hop isn't partial, right? It's ultimately available to be circulated, interpreted, and expressed by everyone so because hip-hop is the one culture where no matter what background where you come from if you all like the music and you could bop your head and yeah. you could like just take a two-step or just listening to it in your car that's what unites us yeah. and really the main religion or like the main thing that brings us all together is music because music is universal mm -hmm. we're just calling it hip-hop dance because that was definitely very specific to the united states and our right. embracing our culture and what would create it still very specific to the Latino and black communities if we go back and educate ourselves as to how it was created, right. but still never, you know, exit down anyone or any, sure, sure. no matter what, it's the one culture where if you love it, take part and contribute. Yeah. And that's it. It'd be one thing if hip hop could be respected and honored as it's passed around, but as anything spreads, it's susceptible to new influences and it morphs into an amalgam of 
everyone's take on it, which we see today. You've taught me that hip-hop's impact is everywhere, from social activism and productive protest to today's mainstream fashion. I mean, hello, the runway right now looks like 90s streetwear in South Bronx. Media ads, even language, but behind its cultural stamp, there are both honorable and contaminating forces. You know, being in the music industry, I see wealthy executives treating young rappers as commodities, not artists, and limiting and pressure cooking their lyrics and persona into whatever will generate sales and mass appeal, even if it muddies the genuineness of who they are or uh, exacerbates certain negative stereotypes, the violence, misogyny, homophobia, as opposed to those topics and perspectives being validated as a sincere reality for someone in a community fighting joblessness, poverty, political, socioeconomic discrimination. And in my case, (laughs) I grew up in a suburban area attending quote-unquote hip-hop competitions without even knowing who Cool Herc and Coke Rock were, graffiti, b-boy, emceeing, yada yada. But with the right mentors, I began to see what was underneath. So, you know, ciphers, sessions, hip-hop as a lifestyle, not just entertainment. And as you know, entering the hot, packed rooms with people exchanging freely is unlike anything I've ever felt. It's a spiritual experience. I always say it's my church. Yeah. I grew up hardcore Catholic. Bless my mom and my dad. (laughs) That's all they knew, though, right? Mm. My church is hip-hop dance culture. But wow, the representation in hip-hop, in dance culture is epic now. And I think politics and religion and everything could learn a lot from hip-hop dance culture as a whole if we were to embrace that. So you're one of the the few bravely bridging the old generations and the new generations. Um, As you know, the OGs are very temperamental about getting the facts right. And that's why you center education. But the the dance narrative is changing inevitably. and, And I wondered if you could share what you're seeing in the evolution of hip hop. Um, and and then the second part of that will be, you know, how do main, how does mainstream media play into this? What is it like wow. seeing someone who knows nothing about hip hop partaking in it and even uh, affecting it? Yeah, that's the sad part. It's like a constant war and battle in another way. Right, I mean, you I wanna mean, be inclusive though. Right? We wanna be inclusive, but it's very important to educate and pay homage and know where mm-hmm. it comes from. Mm-hmm. You cannot move forward without that information. It changes every perspective, every everything. Mm. Because I know hip-hop dance culture was created from the Black and Latino experience. I know somewhere in there, my grandma, my ancestors were up in that mix. I tell my students, anytime I dance, the minute you go into the historical context of stuff, that dance move is more than just a move. It has meaning. It has ancestry. It has ancestry. It has, mm-hmm. it has connections. It has spirituality, mm-hmm. history. I could go on. Yeah. Because when I was started learning the history and learned that, wow, this was created in New York. Wait, by the Latino and black community. Right. Oh, and the mixture of salsa with this. What? Wait, that's right, right. what I identify. It, of course, empowers me. Yeah. It's just those narratives weren't shared. They don't teach us that in school. I they mean, still, they don't. <laughs> let's be honest. I came up in the studio and mm-hmm. I didn't know what a cypher was. I didn't really know what a battle was outside of mainstream dance movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and I'm in some of them. And I they hired me, and I didn't even know the scene. 
Yeah. And well, that's you, a perfect example of the people dictating and taking what they think they know and then putting it on screen because it looks flashy and it's cool. Right. When it's so much more than that, you have to participate and partake in the culture. Right. It's like me doing the same to any other culture that exists. Right. There's like no way. It's just with hip hop, it's been exploited because it's the thing yeah. to do. I don't know why, but it's a constant battle with mainstream media. All I could tell my students is just ignore that and empower ourselves let's feed the brain let's feed the soul with mm -hmm. what you know and what you need to know in order to keep moving forward yeah because the goal always is like rennie harris my mentor has told me is to inspire at least one person because mm. that one one person could change many many lives and rennie did that for me yeah i remember being this was in 2000 i was like sharing the story it was in 2004 I'm with an agency i'm going to auditions i'm not the type too fat right, too right. short too dark I've heard it all, yep. completely torn between education, academics, and industry, because I love both. How do I make it happen in the midst of being a single mother? You can Oof. only imagine that. <laughs> and then I see the Rennie Harris show. He's mm. what the originator for hip hop concert dance, which at the time I didn't know existed. Mm. And I recall being at the lowest of my lows at that time. Though I'm at UCLA, you know I'm lost. I don't fit in. What am I doing here? I didn't have the proper education to even how to get here. So then I'm questioning why I'm even here. Wow. All those doubts kicking. I see his show. It's called Facing Mecca. And I see four African-American women on stage and the girl in the front, full figured, beautiful woman. Mm. Instantly, I knew my calling. Chills. Instantly, that moment changed my life. Wow. I'm like, oh, forget my agent. Forget <laughs> it. I'm like, I don't need to do that. I paved my own path. I'm like, this is what I could, I could do. I could use hip hop dance for concert stage to now communicate my narratives and my stories. Because yeah. even that's another battle. <laughs> right. Because anytime you go to a live concert stage with dance theater, it's predominantly white contemporary modern companies. Right. So here I am having a hip hop dance experience with four black women. Mm. Next day, I already knew what I wanted to do. And that's where Versa Style Dance Company came about. Yeah. Tell me about how you uh, cultivate the the culture the atmosphere versus style is very special and i know i know that a lot of the credit goes to you and those who are who are creating it um on the faculty side but you know like i said in studios there's the four walls it's very sterile and yet you're teaching street styles you're educating people about dances that originated in the club in the street and so how do you make that atmosphere i know you throw live events like what are some of the practical steps you take to nurture and protect well that? we're in the space in the space like evolution for instance mm -hmm. or any dance studio that exists first i always go the other way because i work with a lot of kids that come from such disadvantaged backgrounds mm -hmm. they don't even know what a studio looks like mm -hmm. so here they walk in there's in the space I know now we're in the space of privilege, no matter even what they've experienced. Mm. So in that sense, I hone that it's a safe space. Mm. This is our safe space. This is where we could go and express and be together and do it, whatever it is you want to do, whether you want to cry, laugh, be yourself. This is a safe space. Yeah. But then when it comes to the actual technique and foundations and teaching, I try to get away from the mirror, get away from the mirror. And it's really explore the space as a whole. Yeah. What is it to go across the floors? What is it to do four corners? What is it to really face each other and look into each other's eyes? Yeah, Having those experiences, I feel, is what tweaks it and changes it versus most typical classes in a studio. It's like, here's a choreographer, five, six, seven, eight. I'm going to teach you how to look like me. When really in hip-hop dance, there's this, just as many fundamentals and technique, like ballet. Mm -hmm. You don't. There's like no way in ballet a teacher's going to go in there 
And then the first day, you're going to see leaps and churns. Right. Why would anybody think that in hip hop you could do that? Again, right. we've been miseducated about it. Hopefully, I am raising the next generation of leaders so they could fill in the gap right. when it comes into institutions and studios and all that's going on. But Man, I know when I used to, to train at, oh, God, it's such a trendy thing to say, um, Millennium Dance Complex before it was the social media hub. Even then, it was still industry dominant. But thankfully, Showtime had his class there and, and Showtime uh, teaches street styles and, and hip hop. And it was the first time that I experienced actual hip hop movement. <laughs> and then yeah. I, I said, what do you mean he's not teaching choreography? What dance, what routine are we gonna learn? I need to know something by the end of this class. Little did I know that I would be learning actual fundamentals art form yeah. yes and then you would train house uh, uh, another genre of, of dance and music and uh, you know he'd start yelling out vocab and that's the first time that I had I had been exposed to vocabulary the same really? way ballet yeah. and jazz my my upbringing itty bitty three-year-old training went and um and and show told me over and over Allison you're doing the step but you don't have to move you're doing the step but you don't have to move you don't yeah. and then he would look at how i'm bouncing and he'd be like yeah you're doing chicago and this is the new york rock like fix your rock fix your fix your flavor you don't know it until you know where this move came from yeah. and then he'd train atl excellent. and i'd be like oh that's a whole different excellent teacher and everything yeah. you said that to me but those like one and how many right but i love it's true the vocabulary is something that i've been uh trying to embrace as much as possible mm -hmm. i mean I grew up in it and I didn't know. Yeah, Because right. all I knew was just to mimic the step right. and watch music videos, things like Soul Train and music videos back then. That was our Google, mm. you know? So I would look at Soul Train, what's the next step, you and know? And that's an important point because it's we're not just trying to make everything academic. Mm -hmm. and, and that- There's an experience to it. Right, mm -hmm. and, and you don't want to exclude people because they don't understand the vocabulary, but if they're going to start representing it in a way that's not authentic to their own upbringing, then you need to give some parameters. Exactly. Yeah. All the time. So um, I want to talk about battling and, and you growing up as a, a woman and a Latino woman at that in the battle scene. Like, ah, that's such a traditionally so masculine space. For me. I would get a kick out of it for me personally. Mm. I'll never forget there was a few battles where... I, they would call my name and the boy would see me and right away underestimate me. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, and I already could imagine everything he's thinking. Yeah. And it was a very powerful moment for me and yeah. fulfilling moment to expose my first move or my first pop. And they're just like, wait, wait, she could really dance. Right. Yeah. And the reason I love battling is because I grew up in such harsh, in such a harsh, you know, environment, especially with all the gangs that I was around. Mm -hmm. I already had that shell or just that little tough side to Bite. me where battling i was able to connect it in that way yeah and um and it was just another way for me to express my story and maybe even my masculinity and this toughness that mm -hmm. i identify with as well because i feel you know everybody has a little bit of both yeah, in that right, sense right. but um all my battles of any two-on-two -two started with lee we've been friends for 15 years we've been together for 14 years we've been married for two years now man but he was that one guy who saw past everything that I was used to people when I'm looking past yeah. at and there's some battles where I watch and I could see my husband now my husband laughing like oh they don't even know you know so yeah because yeah. again you know I was for years for the auditions I was judged for that oh you don't fit thank you sorry bye right right it would be rare where they would take the time to really see me dance and once they would see me dance like wow so that's another that's mission to break those stereotypes exactly and 
an important distinction because I, coming from the industry side, I was rejected far more often for my appearance than skills. <laughs> All the time. And I thought, wait, mm-hmm. that that doesn't make sense because I just spent eight hours a day training to get the skills. And now you're telling me that it doesn't matter how talented I am, that my hair is the wrong color, yeah. and that, you know, now we have body conscious is like the the phrase that people, casting directors put on the, the breakdowns. And that really for a woman means wear a bra and underwear to this audition. We need to see how you look in lingerie because that's what you're gonna be wearing on stage. And if you don't have a six pack, then you're gone. Can you speak to some of the, the things that are going on behind the scenes with the industry and dance that are, you know, uh, here we go. People don't understand that watching concept videos on Instagram and class videos on YouTube means this dancer paid money to learn, yet spends most of their time competing to be on camera because they have to get views to get followers to get an agent and build a brand. Meanwhile, their likeness is promoting the choreographer and generating revenue for the studio. So the studio is getting free publicity and they'll rarely see any reward, the dancers. And they work a lot of jobs for free, including the music videos and tours that have changed the world. Some artists even make dancers pay their own way to dance with them. Like my friend who did the Super Bowl with one of America's favorites, and they don't get hazard pay even though they're doing their own stunts on stage every night. And dancers don't really necessarily have the strongest business sense often. They're so creative. That upsets me. That's like a whole other subject in another way, right? Because how can we educate our dancers around that and what's going on in artists as a whole? There's not enough, especially for the dancer who really take more risks on a daily than an actor, I would even say, you know, uh, and putting their bodies up to, you know, those challenges and yet not have insurance or have any kind of backup or any kind of union backing them up. That's like a whole other machine and if if the person doesn't search for it it's not going to find you they're going to keep taking advantage until hopefully a collective of people come together and maybe start you know not doing the gigs or standing up as a group because of course the more numbers the more effective it's going to be in that way i mean the social media people are flocking to la to dance professionally what advice do you have for um for your (laughs) students or for anyone who says okay i want to pursue art professionally but not only do i want to maintain integrity Mm -hmm. creatively i also want to be smart about it from a business standpoint yeah, I think my my advice to the youth always, specifically because my specialty is high school. You know, that's when they make most of those decisions, especially when they're graduating high school. What do I do next? I'm only going to be young once. I should go audition. And and I'm constantly always, uh, at least part of my story is always sharing the balance of it all, figuring out the balance, how you could still be part of an agency, go to auditions, possibly work and go to school. I believe in it all. I did it. I went to school. I worked. I was a single mom. It's how badly you want it. It's how how bad do you want it? I mean, hard work pays off till this day, no matter though we are in a society where they get things instantly, right? Social media, I've seen it firsthand. My son's 19 years old now, so I see it. But the drive needs to be there. And I just think us as mentors and experience and through talk shows or anything that exists, how could we educate hopefully that one kid that might then educate the next? But that in itself is like a big machine where I just try to maybe even stay away from it. My goal with my students is to, what is it to be a dancer, but also maybe pursue arts administration, you know, and advocate for the arts as a whole. Do you know there's arts administration work, you know, out there that focuses with the youth? There's dance companies, there's these great nonprofits. People are not talking about that. They think it's everything that's in front of the screen and how unfulfilling yet fulfilling that is maybe to an extent, but 
when there's so much more. So I think if anything, I just throw the this other sense to my students, like, great, try that, but have you thought of this and this and this? There's all these options from nonprofit to corporations to schools and institutions that you could still make a living and dance every day. You just don't necessarily have to be in front of the screen dancing for someone else. And you could potentially make more money <laughs> than dancing behind whoever your favorite pop star is. Because then that experience is over. Look, everybody deserves that one tour. I do feel that. Fine, if they really want to do it. But, but just know no you're not getting health insurance. <laughs> you're not getting health insurance. Is There's no longevity. Unless it's Justin there's, Timberlake. Yeah, I think exactly. he's one of the only artists oh my God. who takes care who of his really dancers. takes care of his few dancers. There's a handful of those, but... I, I try to teach my students even the meaning of what it is to be the longevity of stuff. What is to be sustainable? Let's talk about these words. What is that? Where do you see yourself at 30? Okay, what skill sets and what do we need to talk about? So with Versus Style Next Generation, we try to do that, that though we're training them with these dance moves and foundations, really what I've learned now, what's most important is that I use dance as a tool to really teach life skills. Because there's nothing like just being fulfilled in every aspect and just being happy and content with what you have and bringing things and awareness on mental health, you know, mental illness, what's going on. Those are like some big things and we don't talk about it enough in our society. So how could I use dance as a tool to then get to the deeper meaning and hopefully, you know, create a great, you know, group of young leaders that are in the rise. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of resilience. There's a grit with versus style. There's a, a sense of being equipped and prepared for the world. Yeah. And that's so reflective of you. Resilient is like my favorite word. I always say that, you know, I feel my resilience started even in my mother's womb Mm -hmm. because my mother had to cross the border with me pregnant. And how did she not lose me? And she got caught all three times and got caught by the cops and then had to get sent back to El Salvador. And I still was sticking on. I was like, I got a mission. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that that resilience, it's something that I just feel if we have it. Um. And anything is possible to an extent, of course, but especially if you find your love and passion. And I found that very early on, which is the arts as a whole. I love hip hop dance, but I just arts as a whole from the performing arts to be specific. What advice do you have for a creator or just a human in general who wants to contribute to a culture's evolution or even revolution um, without, of course, losing the foundation? How do you innovate Um, and decide what elements of culture are the most important to pass on versus the ones that you just let go? I think my first advice would be to be in it. (laughs) Get inside (laughs) and experience it first. Because I think think everybody has great intentions, right? But if they don't live the daily grind that goes behind the dance culture as a whole, if we're talking about hip-hop dance culture as a whole, that's where it gets lost. And I've seen that a lot. I know many people have great intentions, but if you're not attending the battles, if you're not attending the community events, if you're not attending the youth, if you're not taking classes, if you're not immersed in it, I don't think anything you do is going to help then. Because then it's not, it's fake. It's not real. It's not authentic. That's me. I I own that. You are (laughs) speaking my truth until I'd say, you know, half a decade ago when my conscience kicked in because I was finally being educated and I went, I can't represent this. Wait, hold on. I can't, I I can't claim to know what hip hop is about if I don't know the history. Um, And I have to know, I'm baffled by that. When kids don't know about DJ Cole Herc, people don't know about Africa Bambada, not to say that they're gods and they're perfect. 
trust me, we're all human beings and they got their shit going on. Excuse my language. But um, but knowing that component is important. When you have hip hop teachers teaching in institutions and studios and they didn't even know the four elements of him up, there's a problem. If you don't know who Karis Grant is. Graffit, graffiti, they're like gra graffiti. Goodness, I can't graffiti. even. They think it's tagging. And they don't even know the difference between graffiti art and tagging and how we could then educate our youth about it. When you're in it, I'm able to see the gap. Then how could I bridge these gaps and figure out what's missing? Because then, then that's the, how the evolution will happen or the revolution. By them being in it, seeing what's missing, what could we do to make it better? My perspective is this, and you can confirm or correct me. The, the insider, the person who eats, sleeps, and breathes it, is the one who can then let you know <laughs> where you line up or don't line up. I mean, there's still kind of that weird power dynamic there. I don't want to be excluding people, but... I'm going to put one of my dancers in, in blast right now. His name is Harry Weston. Like, you can't get more white than Harry. <laughs> He's from Santa Cruz, California. Everything's, you know, really cool. Like, everything about him. And I'm sure on the daily, he has to fight for that as well to at least experience hip hop culture to its depth. But God, I've, I've seen beyond the white and the blue eyes now because he shows up every day. And then when he's at UCLA and at the time when I met him, he was at UCLA and he's driving miles to go to East LA and teach at Lincoln High School with kids of color who are who come from very impoverished neighborhoods. And he goes in deep. And then after that, goes to rehearsal, then goes to a session with us. This guy, I, I'm, it's beyond that. And he, he's doing it all right to my extent. I would even maybe switch it up in a sense and versus what are the no-nos? How can you just celebrate the, the, the yeses, the moments that they are trying and they are partaking? And he's not trying to be anything else but himself. Or make money or off make of it. Or make money <laughs> off of it. Kids and the people see that depth and that authenticity and they don't question it because it comes from a very genuine. genuine place. Yeah. There's been many times or yeah, I go to evolution or I go to millennium in the past. And some white folks wearing the braids with the Adidas pants and the Puma shoes. And their and their only participation is a dance class at a studio. They will never know what it is to go to East LA or South LA. And I'm being nice. I'm not even saying South LA, you know, and they never been. They would never dare. They think just because you train, you dress a certain way and you listen to specific, specific music, you're hip hop. Wow. You know. But then I got to thank people like Missy Elliott, for instance. God, the, w the way she was able to bridge that gap in so many ways because she brought such a different flavor and essence. And also as a woman of color, full figured, I could go on, right? But still, people think they see that video and they try to mimic it and that's hip hop. That's, of course, appropriation to its extreme. They don't know. And But my job is not to slap them anymore. I don't got time for those people. I just got to like just keep moving forward. <laughs> educate, educate, educate. You know, with educating and just embracing who wants to really be a part of it in its own depth. And you're going to see that quickly. You're going to see those dancers. I think about the longevity. Where are those dancers now? Right. I'm, I'm 21 years deep. Right. I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. I think music is the heartbeat to all cultures, if you yeah. think about it in that way. So I think if people appreciate the music, hopefully they could tap a little deeper into the artistry of dance. But of course, if I'm talking from my own experience in dance, God, that's a spiritual experience. And I think we all have spirituality to one extent or another. And how could we all embrace it and just learn from that? There's nothing more, I think, beautiful than a moving body. Yes, and freeing. And freeing and seeing that person express themselves in that way. 
that takes a lot of courage. All right, I have one final question. What is the future of culture that you want to see? I just want representation everywhere. I even don't use the word diversity so much more than representation. I want everybody to be represented in every aspect and everything they do in every field that exists in the world. This world is a huge, you know, there's so so many people that contribute to what makes this world. And it's crazy how when it comes to institutions or certain corporations or businesses, whatever, how that's so limited. I want there to be in everything that exists where there's a representation of someone who represents a specific culture. I mean, now, now we're talking a beautiful world. I know it's like this beautiful rainbow that I imagined. And I can't wait for all of us just to connect and see beyond that and that it's represented everywhere because I know the dynamics of how it's affected me when I was going to like an institution like UCLA, the importance of seeing a black man or a black woman, how that changed my life. And I bring, and I keep bringing up the black and, you know, black woman and black man because those were my experiences because like, Latinas are still trying to figure their way in there uh but i just wish there was more representation as a whole and i think hip-hop dance culture could do that well on that note yeah (laughs) i'm gonna let you carry on with your day she's going to ucla after this because she has to help run a program no big deal (laughs) and then do another one woman show no big deal and then take care of a bunch of kids no big deal i love it so good. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank here. you for having me. Thank you for joining. Now to everyone listening, I want to hear about your own culture and experiences with your communities. What are the stereotypes and stigmas? The best parts and worst parts? Um, how much do you rely on your culture to dictate who you are? And what is your dream culture, if there's such a thing? Remember, culture is a collective phenomena, and we don't have to simply ingest or regurgitate it. We co-create it. I can't wait to read your responses. Now, on to our weekly mantras. Uh, As always, memorize them, write them down on your mirror or in your notes, repeat them throughout the week, and let it transform your reality. I'll say each twice. You can jump in on the space in the third. One. I feed my brain and soul what they need to move forward. I feed my brain and soul what they need to move forward. Two, I am a co-creator of culture. I mindfully participate and contribute. I am a co-creator of culture. I mindfully participate and contribute. Number three, I am resilient and genuine. I am resilient and genuine. Wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to Simplexity. I'm so glad to be having these conversations with you all. It would mean so much if you could take a second to rate and review this podcast. And if you haven't already, click subscribe to be first to hear each week's episode. I'm Allison Stoner signing off on Simplexity. It's anything but small talk. Peace.